following podcast contains spoilers and words like G, whiz, and gosh damn it. We watch it. Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and are gearing down for the new year. I'm very excited about this. It's always our biggest episode of the year and this year is no exception because I have an amazing guest. It's Sean Carney from Scaredy Boys. How you doing, mate? Doing really well, mate. Thank you for having me back. Always a a fucking joy. A joy to come on here and talk about (laughs) movies and particularly this year. I feel like this was an enormous year for movies, for cinema movies, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. This this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm so curious to hear what you've picked as your best of the year, and if we have any, I'm sure that we'll have at least one crossover. But but we'll I, see, we'll see. Yeah, I've been I've been stressing out. So you, <laughs> asked, you asked me about this one a little while ago, and I've been like, all right, I've got to lock in because I've got like this letterbox list yeah. where I just sort of picked my favorites of the year, and it ended up having about 16 movies on it. But there was yeah. a period of time. It was back when you asked me to do this app, where I was like, geez, I'm struggling to do a top 10 this year. Yeah, but then of course, a- yeah. What happens is you know December comes and then all the big hitters start coming out, and exactly. you're like, oh, before you know it, I'm like, holy shit. So yeah, yeah. to whittle it down <laughs> to five was a stressful yeah. experience. One that I was still doing today. I was sitting there at work looking yep. at the numbers because I, I have a. I'll tell you, I have a very clear number one. Yeah, yeah, same. and yep. I thought I had a really clear number two all year, Interesting. and then uh, just today, I don't know. <laughs> there's magic there's magic in the air and things have changed and I was just stressed. <laughs> well it was yeah, it was a long time. I'm pretty sure that it came up when we did our episode on men and I joked about oh, how yeah. that was gonna be my top of the year and I think that's <laughs> how, how it came up that I'd get you on to guess. So yeah, that was a long time ago. I forgot uh, that men came out. <laughs> Were there any kind of last-minute rushes for you? Was there anything you just kind of wanted yes. to squeeze in in the line? And did any of them make the list? Yes. Oh, interesting. One, one really shook up the list big time. Wow. And, it, I, and I watched it last night. So, I, yeah. Wow. Wow. For the most part, mine are all actually from pretty early in the year. So, let's get into this then. How about you kick us off with your number five? All right. Number five for me, The Northman. It's also on my list. Is it? Okay. It is, it but higher. Be. I can't believe we have a crossover already. Okay. That's not the crossover I predicted. Wow. Me neither. Right. Um, so, The Northman, I saw it when it came out in the cinemas, and I got yep. really excited about it. I don't know why. I think I like Viking sort of stuff. Yeah. Robert Eggers, I've seen The Witch, because we did it for the Scaredy Boys podcast, which I do about horror films. Yeah. And I didn't love it. Like I'm, yeah, so I'm okay. not. I'm not coming into this as like, oh, I fucking love Eggers, and I haven't seen The Lighthouse. Okay. Um, partly because I heard it was a bit of a horror, and I'm scared, so I'll wait till I have to watch. That. <laughs> but then I, I love Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. And um, and the guy, shit, I'm forgetting his name. I think it's Clay's Bang. Clay's Bang plays the antagonist yep. in this, and I'd really only seen him in the Dracula BBC series. Yeah. Which right. yep. I was really excited to watch, and I did watch it, and I was like, ah. Oh, you motherfuckers, this is shit. But I thought he was a really interesting casting choice. So I was keen to watch it for those two. Um, and for um, what's her name, who I'm forgetting? Uh, Anya Anna Taylor, Taylor Joy. Joy. Yeah. She's generally pretty good in stuff, even if she yeah. seems to play a sort of similar ish character. Yeah. But The Northman, yeah. I just, I fucking loved it because yeah. Eggers has a bit of a psycho reputation, at least in my mind, for doing really cooked shit. So yeah. I was yeah. coming into it thinking, 
what experience am I in for? I think I had like the day off work or something like that. And I just went in, got a ticket to the Northman. I saw it the same day as I saw that Nick Cage movie, which was um, <laughs> had the long title. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Where un- he plays un- himself. Unbearable weight of massive That's right. talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. One. Which also that was one I had really, decent- really high hopes for, but I-, I was a little disappointed by that one. Yeah. I liked it, but it did something about it, it like didn't quite click, did it? It was just like- yeah. I think in my review I wrote that it might have just been like a centimeter off or something like that that had that sort of vibe where yeah. if they just hit the tone a little bit better and the ending and anyway let's yeah. talk north because <laughs> it's a fucking powerful movie. I came it into is, it yeah. and my my feeling was fuck me up Eggers I'm ready to just absorb a psycho viking movie. Yep. And I don't think I got as psycho as I expected. Yes, but I yep. still loved it just the same. Like I thought it was absolutely exceptional. And I rewatched yep. it recently because when you asked me to do a top five, I thought I've got to do a bit of an audit on my year. <laughs> so I, I rewatched a few different things just to make sure they still held up. And there was a yep. moment in Northman where I was like, hmm, was it a five or was I fueled by cinema adrenaline? And yeah, then there's the yep. bit where Skarsgård stands on the hill and he's screaming down and he's like, I (laughs) am vengeance. And I was just like, oh, this is cinema. This is five stars. Yes. I was exactly the same. I I had a bit of a different experience because I am quite a big Eggers fan. I love The Witch and I really loved The Lighthouse. And you're right. Those movies are so much more cooked than this is by like multitudes and they're like well done whereas this is like a medium rare and (laughs) so I I went in really expecting and hoping for that and so in my initial review I think I was actually a little bit cold on it like I liked it but it just wasn't everything I was hoping for oh okay but I rewatched it and you're absolutely right what's great about this is it's like it's like a batshit art house director having a real go at like a mainstream action movie And I think that's what makes it work so well is that you get that kind of fun adrenaline pumping action, but it's still kind of slightly slower paced and thoughtful. Like, and yeah, you're right. The casting is ridiculous. Like he, Skarsgård is so good in this role. Like it's like it was made for him. He has such screen presence, I think. And I'm probably very alone on an island in saying that I really love the Tarzan film that he did. <laughs> yeah, was that with that was with Margot Robbie, right? Margot Robbie and Sam yes. Samuel L. Jackson's in it too. And yes. it's I I genuinely love it. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz is the is the villain. Like I it's one of those movies I watch and I go, I see where the shit parts of this are and I know why people didn't really embrace this. But for me, it's got that action adventure element of it. And Sam Jackson for me is really the character that kind of like unlocks the movie where like they're all swinging through the jungle and he's just a man with a shotgun (laughs) chasing after them and they jump off a cliff and he's just like, oh man. And I'm like, yeah, I just just enjoy that movie. And Skarsgård, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I've I've watched, I recently was talking to uh, Tom Reed, who I do Scaredy Boys with, and we were talking, we've known each other for years and we never knew that we both watched heaps of true blood like oh, it's oh just, dude i binged all of true yeah. even to the point where there were like were panthers and stuff and it got completely <laughs> silly i binged Wait. it for so long that i read all the books because i was like this oh, is amazing wow. and then i got okay. to the end and i was like this is not amazing but i still <laughs> like it <laughs> we both just realized recently that we watched like we were super invested in it for probably about yeah. four seasons and then sort of yeah. just gave it up but yeah. Uh, so Skarsgård, that's probably where I think most audiences met him in that For sure, in that yeah. role of, um, I believe it was Eric, I think I'm remembering that yeah. right. Um, he's just, there's something about him. He's just so hulking and he doesn't need to speak much. That's no, kind yeah. of what I love too. Like, 
um, the whole you know show don't tell thing. He's the kind of perfect actor for that because I think that he he has expression in his face and he has the physical embodiment of the role. And this is kind of the perfect movie to suit his weapons as an actor. I'm yeah, not saying he's a definitely. shit actor at all, but he's no, not, yeah. he's not like a thespian compared to some other guys in his era as well. But yep. he's just he is perfect for this role. Yep. And I don't know how authentic it is to Vikings of the time or whatever, but ultimately. I kind of don't give a shit because it's a movie, like it's a story. And Eggers has done, like you said, he's presented this kind of, he's playing in the mainstream sandbox, but he's still doing it in his own way where the pacing, although I did read that, you know, the studio were up his ass a bit about it and that sort of thing, which makes me a bit sad. Yeah. Apparently one of the initial cuts, the big feedback was you can't understand what they're saying because his dialogue was very authentically Viking (laughs) because Eggers is apparently- you know, quite true to like history and everything. And and I think yeah. you can feel that in the film, even I don't mind that they changed the dialogue. I think it's actually a good call if that was the studio making him do that. Cause I think you still get that authentic feel from it, yeah. but it's not confusing like some other kind of art house films can be. Yeah. It's still, the dialogue still feels different. So if they have changed it, they've still made it separate from, from other stuff. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nicole Kidman for me is the weird casting. I, I, I agree. But yeah. like, not in a, not in a sense that it's ruined it from being a five star movie for me, but I kind of yeah. watch her and I'm like, I don't know whether it's the character I don't particularly like, or it's just, I, I can't quite buy Nicole Kidman in that setting. Everyone else yeah. feels authentic <laughs> yeah. in that environment, but she's just like, that's oh, Aussie Nicole Kidman. Like, she, what the hell? That's, yeah, that's the thing. I wonder if part of it is ruined by us being Aussies. It kind of, mm. you know, we feel kind of closer to her because Australia is like kind of a small place. You know, everyone, you feel like you know them even if you don't. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. It is weird to watch something that's striving for authenticity and then you just see an Aussie pop up on screen. Like, for instance, I was watching Avatar 2 recently and just an Aussie guy pops up like well over halfway into the movie and he's super Aussie and you're like, what the fuck? Why are you here? (laughs) It's crazy. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Aussie accents in movies just sound so dumb. Like, it's just like, fuck, is that what we sound like? I know. It's always so embarrassing. You get the same thing like when you've been overseas and you've been hearing like proper accents and then you come back and as soon as you land in the airport, you hear someone, uh, you know, walking around talking about this and that. You're like, oh my (laughs) God, how disgusting are we? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's honestly, it's just because we've grown up. On a, on, a, on a diet of American films. Like, I always used to yeah. think about, like, seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger, who doesn't even have an American accent himself, yeah. seeing him yeah. in something like Terminator saying, I'll be back, and <laughs> imagining an Aussie being like, I'll be back. And it just sounds so shit. Like, it's not yeah. cinematic at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome thing. I'm I, I'm really I'm surprised that we've had crossover already, but I'm, I'm yeah, glad that we- Glad it was that one. Although, I got to say, I think- this episode might just keep moving because I'm pretty sure that this number five is going to be on your list as well. Mm-hmm. Five was where I had the most trouble placing something. Like, similar to you, I had a lot of films on my kind of maybe list and it took me a long time to kind of figure out the placement of them. And I had like three or four different ones here. I really tried to keep this one off because I knew it would be on your list. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it had to make it. It's Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> would you would you like me to reveal to you now where it is on my list or should I just keep quiet? Oh, no, keep, keep quiet. Let's, okay. let's wait and see let's wait and see but the more i think about this movie the better it is especially the fact that i went in with absolutely no love for the first one in fact a a real dislike of the first one and this movie won me over as much as it did that just speaks to the strength of the filmmaking when did you see the first one the night before i saw maverick for the first time (laughs) 
For the first time. Yeah. Yep. So the very first time I've seen it, and I should mention, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. I love his movies. Yeah, same. But probably yep. his movies from like the 90s onwards, I've, I've realized. But yep. I, a week before Maverick came out, is the first time I watched the original yep. Top Gun. It's one of those ones where I've always mentioned it. And people are like, you haven't seen Top Gun? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, same. No, I watch it. And I'm kind of like, I enjoy it because I, I bought into the silliness of it. But I mean, it's not a terrific film, is it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I like. For some reason, watching it, though, didn't dampen my excitement for what I was rolling into. I think I was on peak Mission Impossible. I think a trailer for Mission Impossible got released in the week that Maverick was coming out, and I was just like, fucking Tom Cruise, Macquarie, it's all happening. (laughs) I just rolled in with excitement and loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I I was honestly blown away by how good this movie was. In fact, you you and I spoke about it at one point. I can't even remember when, but that opening scene, like how strong- the writing is in that opening scene that you know everything about this character, whether you've seen the first one or not, it's been, you know, 40 odd years, however much has changed, you know, instantly who this guy is and his motivations and what drives him. And it is just so well put together. It honestly blew me away. Chris McQuarrie. He's just, he's, I know he didn't direct this one, but he's just an exceptional writer. Like, yeah, I'm not sure what stage they brought him on. I think maybe there was earlier versions of the script and then Macquarie has come on. He's he's quite good at that. He'll come on to a, a, a project and and do yep. his, you know, finishing touches. And I'm I'm really glad that Hollywood, by virtue of his work on Mission Impossible, Hollywood seemed to appreciate him now because for a very yeah. long time he was like I was listening to a podcast with him recently and he was he was the development guy. They would yep. bring him in for something. Uh, for example, he was developing No Country for Old Men. Oh, right. But he didn't have the clout to that, you know, the studios would bring him in and be like, you can write and direct it. And then eventually they would move him out for a bigger director like the Coen brothers or, yeah. you know, and stuff like that happened all the time. Whereas now he's got that, he's got the clout to make things happen. And yeah. I do think that when Oscars, uh, the nominations come out, we will see a lot of Top Gun Maverick love, I think. Uh, I agree. I'll be curious and- to see. I think it'll mostly be kind of below the line. But I'll oh, be really curious it'll, it'll to It'll get see. a best picture nom, I reckon. Yeah, yeah that'd be but interesting. annoyingly for me, because I, I really do love this movie, Joseph Kaczynski won't get a director nomination, and I really think he should. Like, yeah. it's exceptional. It's probably going to appear at another point in this episode, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I f- feel very strongly about this film. Yeah, I mean, the action sequences are so well oh. put. And like the fir- the thing about the first Top Gun is it's really not actually an action film. Like, there's very little kind of action set pieces in it at all. And this one's kind of similar. Like, there's a lot of in-between. But those action sequences are so incredibly directed, especially all the practical effects and everything. It's insane. Well, it's just, this is the benefit of- the sort of modern day Tom Cruise movies where he's yeah. just like, oh, what's the skill my character needs in this made up yeah. environment? I will go and become certified in that. Like he's just a complete yeah. freak. And <laughs> you you really can tell when you watch these things that the like the editing's just really strong for these films. Because yeah. you don't have to cut around a stump man. You've got Tom Cruise doing his thing. It's just completely crazy. And I love the the narrative structure of this film is incredible because because it's a training a lot of it's such a training exercise. We've yeah, got to hit this yeah. mark, we've got to do this. It's drilled into the audience, but not in like a not in a dumpy expositional sort yes. of way. In just yeah. a natural way because that's the mission. That's the drive yeah. of the film. So that when we actually get to the the third act and we're seeing the mission, we yeah. know it intimately and we're like, oh, they're doing they're up to that bit. Oh like <laughs> yes. it's just like this this natural yeah. thing. Whereas I think yeah. in other films you would get to the action heavy third act and you'd kind of get a bit lost. You'd be like, Oh, okay, oh, 
Uh, and you'd forget about something or, oh, why are they doing that? In this, yeah. we know exactly why everything's happening and it's it's really seamless. It's a Yeah, it's an yeah. exceptional movie. Well, and the other thing is you know exactly what happens if they don't hit those marks. Like that's drilled into them. So it's drilled into us as well. You're like, oh, shit, if they miss this, they're fucked. <laughs> like it just yeah. it raises they, the stakes to another level. Yeah. They even do the yeah, they even do the cheeky movie thing of like Tom Cruise very <laughs> early in the film, Maverick says, Someone's not coming back from this. So you've <laughs> yeah. conditioned yourself for two hours to be like, yeah. one of these people's gonna die. And at one point you're like, Oh fuck, is it gonna actually be Maverick? Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Right. Oh this oh, I can't believe this. Two movies in two crossovers. Hit us up with your number four, mate. Number four, slightly controversial. Now Okay. <laughs> We live in Australia and we get some cooked cinema releases. Yep. So sometimes we will there'll be the awards qualifying stuff <laughs> tacked onto the end of the year and then we yes. get it. Yep. So I wouldn't normally have put one of those in, but when I looked up the release of this film, I saw that it got like a, a one week run in I want to say America. Yep. In like the last week of December. But then the yep. official release date for, you know, December and in Europe and in England and everything yep. was like January or February. Yeah, of, right. of this year. So yeah. I feel like, and definitely came out in Australia this year because that's when okay, I Okay, yeah. So yeah. I feel like if you're going to give the okay on that, I feel like it qualifies as a yeah. 2022 film. <laughs> Always give the heads up to our listeners. Don't add us. <laughs> We're in Australia. <laughs> Sometimes our release dates are different. We go by Aussie release dates here. So I'm But this is I'm even, yeah, so <laughs> even America, America released this year as well. It was just one of those, you yeah. know, the bullshit thing where they're like, chuck it in like, one cinema in America just so we so can maybe eligible. get an Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So the film, I think this will surprise you. I don't think this will be on your radar at all. It's called Cyrano. I have not actually even heard of this film. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, okay, it's a Peter Dinklage oh, film. Oh, actually, yes, it's a musical, right? It's a musical, yeah. Yes, okay, I have heard of this, but yeah, it didn't really make huge waves. Yeah. Nothing really seemed to happen. I assume it got that one-week little release because they wanted Dinklage to perhaps get a Best Actor nomination. Yeah, Which, yeah. I have to say, would have been thoroughly deserved. He yeah, is right. unbelievable in this. So yeah. this is a period piece. It's based on, a, on someone from back in those times. And it's basically just, it is a musical, it is a love story, it is an unrequited love sort of story. Yeah. Peter Dinklage plays a very accomplished soldier and poet and, you know, he's a very intelligent man. Everybody knows him and loves him. He's in love with a woman. She's not in love with him, but in love with another soldier. This soldier is good at fighting, but dumb with words. So yep. he comes to Cyrano and Cyrano... With his little heart broken and oh. realizing, I don't think I'm going to get this woman, but perhaps I can sort of live my fantasy through this other soldier. He starts yeah. to write letters on behalf of him. Gotcha. And a yeah. romance ensues, and then there's a war, and there's all sorts of things. Ben Mendelssohn's in it playing a very, very slimy villain, um, yeah. which he does very well. And the music is unbelievable. And now, I don't normally give out five stars on a first watch i'm a yep. bit stubborn like that I've, I've changed <laughs> yeah. i've changed a little bit i've actually done it quite a bit this year but early yep. in the year i wasn't and i i gave this five i had to because i was just yeah, like wow. it's just like you know when sometimes a movie just goes straight through the screen and bam it just hits you in the heart i just yeah yeah i couldn't believe it and the music was sensational and then i'm wondering i'm thinking the music really affected me and like i just i love the lyrics i loved every little part of it and then it shows up in the credits the people who did the music for the film uh is the lead singer and his wife of my favorite band, which is called The National. And I'm oh, like, oh, I love oh. The National. Yeah, oh, I'm wow. like, now it clicks. The music feels very like in their sort of spirit. Yeah, and so I right. think I was just yeah. subconsciously experiencing that through the film. And so it was just kind of like, 
I'm not a massive musical fan, but it was a musical I think that really just clicked with me immediately. Yeah, and it's well, a I, brilliant film. I was just going to ask you, but I guess you've just answered. I was going to ask if you knew whether it was specifically written as a musical for film or whether it was adapted from Broadway or something. But that sounds like it was written for film, which I think is I, always much better. I haven't looked into it, but I think it may have had some sort of Broadway run, but then these guys have come on board, the husband yeah, and wife right. team from The National, and been like, we'll sort of have a crack at it. And so Joe Wright is the director. I'm not sure if you're that familiar with his stuff. No. He did uh, Atonement and Oh, Hannah yes. Okay. And yep. um, Anna Karenina. And, yep. You know, he did that one with- um, who was it? Gary Oldman when he won the Oscar. The Dark yeah, Hour. Yeah. Winston Churchill. Winston. Yep. Joe Wright's a filmmaker who I think is really, really good at the visual aspects of filmmaking. Yeah. But I've never really 100% clicked emotionally with anything that he's done. Yeah. And this is the first time where I was like, I feel like that's your potential fulfilled. Yeah. Maybe it was sort of just me and a few other people that seemed to have enjoyed it because no one I've really talked to has seen the film. Very yeah. few have heard of it. And I hope that more people discover it because it's, it's honestly, it's just a beautiful movie. When my Spotify rap playlist <laughs> came out, Peter Dinklage was one of my top artists of the year. Because <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> I've listened to it so much. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Well, you recounting the story just then reminded me where I knew the name from. This is the story that, I don't know, have you ever seen a, a Steve Martin film called Roxanne? Oh, so, no, but I haven't. But the, the lead actress in the film, her character's name is Roxanne. Yeah, okay. So, maybe it's based on That's on based that. off this story. Oh, okay, so, great. Yeah, so similar story, but instead of um, being a little person, Steve Martin has a big, long nose. Oh, and, okay, uh, right. yeah, it's, yeah, okay. That's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll check that one out. But, yeah, people will, should check out I will Cyrano. check Cyrano out, yeah. Especially <laughs> if, if you like The National. He, yeah, the music, yeah. The music is really good. It's yeah. just, I, I kind of love- I kind of love when a, a musical does stuff. It's a really like just flamboyant artistic style yeah. and everything's been thrown at you, all the colours, all the sounds on the screen. But what it boils down to is just like these really human elements of the story that are just like, yeah. I think sometimes that's the best, that's the that's the power of like of the movies really. They can do these yeah. massive things. And then after you finish watching it, you go, oh, I just fucking love that it was just like this. Actually, yeah. a, a beautiful small story about love on this huge canvas. It was really- yes. Cool. Yeah, that's what I loved about La La Land from a couple of years ago, which I know, yeah. again, controversial, not everyone enjoyed, but I loved yeah. that for those same reasons. Yeah. All right. Well, number four, I've got to say, Cyrano surprised me, but I think <laughs> this one's also a bit controversial. Most people I've spoken to didn't love this film the same way I did. Uh, it's 3,000 Years of Longing. Did you see oh. this one? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I get people's problem with it, but I think there's something about- because at its heart, this whole- film which is about this woman who finds a genie in istanbul and he the majority of the story is him kind of recounting her life to her and and all of these kind of wishes people have made and i i love that this film at its core is about storytelling and that first kind of hour and a half in particular just really resonated with me and it did lose me a bit towards the end which i is most people's critique but the more I think about it, the higher this film went up in my esteem. I just thought the visuals were beautiful. Um, you know, it's directed by George Miller, of course, from, you know, Aussie legend. And he, <laughs> yeah. his direction is just fantastic. Like, I just, I really loved this film. I thought so, both the performances by Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba were fantastic. Is this a film that's grown for you? Since you've watched it? I mean, I was pretty strong on it when I first saw it. I think I gave it a seven or an eight, but it's definitely grown for me. Yeah. Because I had, I had a similar thing with Fury Road, 
which yeah, also oh, directed yes. by George Miller. So when that came I out, hated I that remember the first thinking, time I saw it. Uh, yeah, I think from a storyteller, from like a writer's point of view, I looked at it and went, there isn't really a screenplay, which I think was yeah. confirmed in the behind the scenes, but like, yeah, it was a lot <laughs> yeah. of storyboards and previews yeah. and all that. But, but watching it again, I'm like, oh, no, I, I was actually wrong. Like, yes, yeah. the screenplay element might not be strong, but the story is great. And it's, yeah. frankly, it's one of the most incredibly filmed movies I've ever seen. Yeah, but and and so yeah, I came into this with a lot of more respect for George Miller, and I love Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba is fantastic as well. Yeah, um, I think yeah, it, I'm I'm one of the people that the third act and the sort of right towards the end it fell away for me, where I thought oh, I wish it kind of amounted to something, something more. It didn't quite emotionally resonate, and it yeah. should have because as a you know, it's a a film about stories, and I I I try to be a storyteller as well. And so I I, yeah. I connected with a lot of it. And yeah, I, I mean, visually you cannot fault it. it, it it's the yeah. design of it is incredible. The acting is incredible. It fell away from me slightly at the end, but it's certainly, yeah, I'd say it's one of the, it's one of the stronger films of the year. Yeah. 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 I, I had good, the exact good same one, experience with Fury Road. The first time I saw it, I disliked it so much. And then <laughs> in fact, almost a year ago, exactly. I had Paul from the countdown on to do it with me. It's a throwback because it's one of his top films of all time. Yeah. And I was completely turned around, like rewatching it the second time was almost like a, it was almost like watching a brand new movie to me. I agree. Yeah. But, and- but to the extent like I, I rewatched it and I gave it four stars. And then yeah. I came back in and edited my review the next morning and bumped it up to like four and a half. And I was just like, yeah. I think I've had residual stubbornness of like originally not liking it. And I'm like, yeah. but now that's grown in my mind. I've only watched it twice. I look forward to watching it again. In my mind, it is like one of the very best action movies ever. Yeah. I'm sure you would have, you've probably seen that video, yeah, where they show you how in every single shot of the film, the the, the thing stays in the center of the Yes. Frame. So you never lose oh. things, even though there might be a lot of cuts in the action. That's, that's incredible meticulous filmmaking. filmmaking. Yeah. Like yeah. that is, that's not easy to do. <laughs> like, yeah. So they may not have- invested as much time as I would like in a script per se, but they invested yeah. a hell of a lot of time in in screen story, in the yeah. visual story. So yeah. Yeah. He's a he's incredible. It is a good film. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Three Thousand Years of Longing, like I said, it just it went up in, in my estimation every time. And I think just so much of that first half resonated with me that it it stuck with me. I kept thinking yeah. about it. Even if it did fall away a bit at the end, mm-hmm. I think a couple of days later I actually liked the end better. Just because in my head, I realized how much I loved that first half. I think it, I can't recall when it was released in the year, but I suspect it came out at a time when I was like in a heavy glut of seeing things in the movies. Because to be honest, it's not one that I've thought about really again yeah. since. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame because I think it's, it looks like a real labor of love movie. Like it's, there, yeah. there really is a difference. And we're noticing it a lot now with, we've reached a certain stage with the superhero movies, with the Marvel stuff where it's kind of like, yeah. Uh, we're not getting, I think, as good a quality as we used to. If people still yeah. love it, fantastic. I'm really happy for them to do that. But for me, when I watch something by like a George Miller or some of the other movies we've already talked about, there is like a lot of potential to actually do things if you do them the right way and you make yeah. it look fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's Let's uh, let's hear your number three then. This is where I think we're going to have another, <laughs> another match, I think. Yep. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, that is so incredibly low. Yes, of course, that's on my list. Yeah, I won't this, say where, yeah. but yes. Yeah. Okay. So this for me has been like a definite 
two, but could potentially creep to one all sort of year. It's sort of gone back and forth. Yeah. Until last night where it's wow. it's, it's, it's had to fall. <laughs> and I still don't know because I've watched that other movie and it's so fresh. And I'm like, have I made the right choice? Jesus. Yeah. Um, I've watched this film a couple of times now and it's it's honestly just really special, isn't it? I think yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say we can probably agree on that. It's just this incredible creativity yeah. and like I, I think maybe because of the Marvel stuff and all that, I'm not used to seeing such big, exciting, grand emotion that has yeah. heart. Yeah. The heart of yeah. this movie is is oh. extreme. I've talked to people who've been like, oh, yeah, maybe like I've come away crying. Like I just, the the mother and the daughter dynamic and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And whew, I, J- Jamie Lee Curtis is incredible in it. Like every, <laughs> yeah. every element of it is insane. And I wondered if it was going to fall down on a rewatch, but it doesn't. Yeah. The, I only have one minor quibble and then it's, I think it kind of explains itself and the rules of its world to the audience probably one too many times. Yeah, yeah. But outside of that, it's it's just like it's just a beautiful fucking movie. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw this movie in cinemas twice and cried both times and laughed my ass off both times. Like I think the way that this movie balances its tone, I think is almost unheard of. Like to have those really strong emotional hits and to be so hysterical at the same time. I just think it's like a masterclass in filmmaking. And like, I know that there's a lot of criticism about it being too long, but to me, that's almost like the point. Like this film is maximalism to the extreme. And that's what it's about. Like, you know, as humans, we are all just experiencing everything all the time now. And there's so much in our faces. You scroll TikTok for 10 minutes and it's it's like, that's a window into ADHD right there. You know, like, yeah, I'm super glad it's on your list, but wow, I can't believe it's this low. I can't wait to hear what you watched last night. <laughs> <laughs> a very, very strong top three. This yeah. is another one that um, it's been a particularly good year. Like, uh, I, I can't even remember what the hell came out last year. Everything in life is such a blur. But this feels like a really good cinema experience movie. Like, when I yeah. saw it, I saw it like the it was a full- full audience, which in itself is crazy for an A24 film. Yeah. Like, yep. which is, I mean, do they still get called independent films? I don't know. It's kind <laughs> yeah, of on the yeah. larger scale of independent filmmaking. But, yep. like, to watch it with a, an audience who just, like, you know, laughed and you could hear sniffles and you could, like, just, there's something that hits different about watching a movie like that. Yeah, yeah. When you mentioned Top Gun before, like, I remember watching that on opening night and there was this little kid sitting like two rows in front of us. I think he would have been like eight years old and he's watching it with his dad and he yeah. was just like fist pumping and all this stuff whenever the <laughs> whenever the jets were doing aerial maneuvers and at yeah. the end of it he like stood up and did a huge fist pump and then high-fived his dad and I was yes. like, this is great. That's what Love. the cinemas are about. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I remember the last, like uh, my dad's not really a movie guy but I remember watching um, The Fellowship of the Ring oh, when, it, yes. when it came out. He went and saw that and I remember like it got to the end and I was like, oh, I was so charged up. <laughs> I think in that moment, I was like, this is the career I want. I want to make movies. This is cool. Yep. I've turned to my dad to be like, how good was this? And he's like, kicked his shoes off and he was asleep. <laughs> like, yeah, <he's> right. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't embrace it at all. He's just kind of like, so eh, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh, like I love this, this movie this, so I, much. I love it. It's, it is this. Uh, it'll it'll age well, I think. You know, when you watch Definitely. a movie, you're just like, I can't wait to just rewatch this probably every year for forever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you- you, you brought up kind of Marvel earlier. I think 
it was really interesting seeing this movie and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness come out the same week. And just that, I think, highlights the inventiveness of this movie so much. Like, the way that this movie- I saw this first. Yes. And I I don't know if this- I wouldn't say it ruined Doctor Strange because I don't think that was a very good movie anyway. But, (laughs) you know, this kind of build-up Marvel have had for years about, oh, the multiverse, the multiverse. And then you see it and it's- there's no kind of fun or inventiveness to any oh, of these different landscapes. It's so, it's so lazy, then, isn't it? I know. One of them, and like, then, he goes through to a different multiverse and it's just like, oh, great, another city. Like, yeah, yeah. Give me, like, yes. psycho fucked up world. Yes, that's give the, me hot dog fingers the premise, and raccoons you know, cooking. Fingers. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> like, yeah. this, this movie just played with that so much. It was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, number three is where I have the Northmen. So, I guess it's right oh. back to you for your number two. Number two, I watched this last night. Um, it's one of those films that I've seen pop up all year. And every time yeah. someone I know watches it, it's like a rave review. You've got to watch this. Uh, it's it's Triple R. Oh, I didn't, which I didn't I, have I, the three hours to get to this one. <laughs> I've, same. I, everyone I've heard talk about it loved it. I, I assume that's how we're supposed to say the title. Like, <laughs> yeah. I looked at it before on my pad and I'm like, am I supposed to be like, R, R, R? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I've forgotten what they actually stand for now, having just watched it last night. I think it's like Rise, Revolt, Resist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Um, an unbelievable movie. Like, yeah. It had to be unbelievable to dislodge everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, it must have been, yeah. Um, and there was times today when I'm like, what am I doing? But I just, I had to ride the vibe. And yeah. the vibe I got from this film, which you mentioned the three-hour runtime. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. That's what's put me off, I think, all year. I've kind of yeah. been like, ah, like setting aside three hours for a movie. Like yeah. That's why I love a tight 90. Yeah. But then uh, a friend of mine said, you know, it's good at intermission, right? So even if like you want oh, to- really? Just split it. Yeah, it's got a very defined split right in the middle. Right. Which is what okay. I did. I watched it one night and then last night I, f- I finished it. And yep. even then I worried. I'm like, ah, oh, because I don't like an interrupted viewing. It sort of ruins the momentum of a film. Yeah. But this one's fine because it's such a like a long, a long journey that just spreads its wings. And they're not making anything like this in- Hollywood's in yeah. where we are in Australia. It's an Indian anyway. movie, right? It's a yeah, it's an Indian film. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with with the Bollywood scene, to be honest. Yeah. Um is Bollywood do they use that for every Indian film or is that just their uh, yeah. Hollywood blockbuster? I'm not sure. Films? I don't know. That's my ignorance it. there. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. But watching it, um like I, I don't know if it's like a full on hardcore Bollywood one because it does have there are sections of it that are in English and like yeah. Ray Stevenson is in it as like a real asshole antagonist and um I can't remember the actress's name but she's she's Ilsa from The Last Crusade. Oh like I right. hadn't seen her do anything in years. <laughs> I'm watching this woman on screen who's a complete fucking lunatic, just yep. an evil person. I'm like, who the fuck are you? I hate you. And then I see her name and I'm like, holy shit, I love you. <laughs> what, what are you doing here? Um uh, honestly, I, I'll i often- th- There's another film that came out this year with Idris Elba called Beast. I don't know if you oh, saw yes, it. Oh, yes. I haven't seen it, but him fighting yeah. the lion, right? Yeah. So, in that yeah. film, yeah, he takes his family on a safari. Things go bad. They're hunted by a lion. It's kind of like Jaws, yeah. but in the safari. Yeah. And there's there's like a bit in it where like you maybe think it could happen, but then it does. He's like- He fights a lion. Like, yeah. he punches a lion. <laughs> My jaw just dropped because there's moments in like movies where you just kind of like, oh, wow, I- I got the thing I 
dreamed would happen, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. think it would. RRR, Triple R. I've done it there. RRR. <laughs> triple R. It, my jaw dropped, I reckon, minimum 20 times. Yeah, right. The amount of just, it's like a, it is kind of like everything ever all at once. Yeah. Because I think when, in watching that, you might think the same. There are elements of that where you're like, wow, I'm not seeing anything like this come out of Hollywood. This yeah. is really inventive and crazy camera work and choreography. This is like that, but like dialed up to 100, I think. Like, Yeah, yeah. So, is, is it this an action guy, movie? Yeah, it, it's like a, a sweeping historical drama, rom-com, yeah, okay. um, yeah, right. buddy, buddy film. It, at, its, at its core, it's about a friendship. It's about two yeah. people on opposite sides. One's, one's in the law enforcement on the colonial side of the English who are sort of invading India. Yeah. And, and the other one is, is like a freedom fighter who's trying to rescue a girl that the English, that Ray Stevenson has kidnapped from a village. And they're, you know, one of them's, you know, mythically known as the fire. And he's like, yeah. fucking, like, there's a scene at the start, which is just like, it feels like a comic book film. He's <laughs> fighting, he fights like, he fights like 500 men. It's incredible <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's one of those movies where you have to like switch off a part of your brain and just embrace yeah. insanity and you'll enjoy it so much. So he's the fire and the other guy's the water. And he's this mythical guy who is like, when the village needs it, he, you know, when the, when the herd needs the, the, the leader or whatever, he goes and gets the job done. And, yeah. it, you know, those two clash, but they don't know who each other is and they become best friends. And so you watch this beautiful friendship grow and then they're at odds <laughs> against each other. And there's like, you're not just not prepared for anything that happens in this film. There's incredible choreography, great camera work. I watch it and I'm like, is this the most expensive Indian film ever made? Like, this is putting Hollywood stuff to shame. It's yeah. the scope of it and the scale of it is incredible. Uh, <laughs> the heart is incredible. There's just music. P- characters just start singing. Like, yeah. <laughs> And wow. the songs are basically used as montages to explain the emotions of characters. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm honestly, I was blown away by it. And it's it I is mean, three hours, but it flies. It's it's. I wish I'd seen it in a cinema because I feel like it's the ultimate crowd pleasing, yeah. incredible film that we've probably moved away from, but yeah, got back yeah. to this year with things like Top Gun, Maverick, everything ever all at once. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, that is enough, high all the praise. films that we think are the best of, of <laughs> yeah. the year. Uh, seek it out it, for people. But it's yeah, on that Netflix. Has moved, that it's, has moved it well up my list. This is oh, I'm going to be watching watch, this yeah, watch in the next couple parts, of days. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's two tight nineties, and it's yeah. I'm still reeling from it. Like I've it's less than 24 hours since I've watched it, and I'm like, I know it's high on my list, but I'm like. It's got so, it. It's like so, if I hadn't seen a certain other film this year, <laughs> which I think we all know what it is now, <laughs> or maybe even something like Everything Ever All at Once, which I think yeah. is just this groundbreaking, incredible burst of energy. This yeah. would be like the best film I've seen in years, just yeah, in terms yeah. of everything. It you watch it, and it's like, and I hate to bring everything back to Marvel and to comic book films, but it's the exact kind of thing you need to grab that director and be like. Pick any superhero you want and make yeah, it. Yeah, do whatever but on, you want. By the with same it. token, he's already done it. It feels like yeah. a superhero movie. It feels yeah. it's just it's so incredible. I, like it's such a stirring, crowd pleasing, incredible film. Oh, I can't I, recommend it highly enough. Like I love, this this is what I love about so I love hearing you talk with such passion about it. I can't oh. wait to watch it. So even though it's long, can you see yourself rewatching this? Oh, I'll rewatch it. Yeah. yeah. Just for I'll rewatch it just to be like, how did they do that bit? Like, yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> honestly, it's blown me away so much. I really want more people to watch it so I could talk to them about it because it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's. 
I am a big, like, I love superheroes, so I do watch it, and I'm like, man, I'm getting everything I want in a superhero movie from yeah. this incredible Indian movie that I never knew existed, and here it is, and it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, that that's that's moved up my watch list for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, number two is the most recent film on my list. It only came out mid-November. Ooh. And oh, I know I, what this is. Yeah, I had high expectations going in, and they were not only met but exceeded. It's the menu. Have you seen yeah. this yet? No, I did. I I had a feeling you were going to pick it, and I desperately wanted to watch it. And the yeah. only time I had <laughs> to fit it in was if when I was seeing Avatar, the new one. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. That's at eight o'clock. If I race there after work, I can watch the menu and then watch. Av- Fuck! Yeah. Did, you, did you? You already said the title, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Right. Sorry. I thought I'd, yeah. I've lost my mind. Triple R has killed me in my mind. Yeah. I'm like, shit. Did I just spoil it? But yeah, I could have watched this and then rolled straight into Avatar, but I thought that was too much for my brain to handle. Yeah, so, Avatar is yeah. a pretty lengthy. Yeah. But I'm very excited. I saw your review for it. And I, I caught. I, I listened to a smidge of your podcast on it, but I was like, yeah. I want to watch it first. I, I reckon that you would absolutely love it. I actually wasn't sure if you guys might do it on Scaredy Boys, but it's kind of. Does it fit it's in not, the horror? St- well, it's not strictly a horror. I, I personally think it's more of like a black comedy, but yeah. there are definitely horror elements to it. Is it marketed as a horror? I haven't really seen much trailers or anything for it. Well, here we go. Let's see what Wikipedia has to say about it. I suspect it'll be like black comedy thriller. So Google lists it as a horror slash thriller. <laughs> Wikipedia out, says yeah. American dark comedy horror <laughs> film. Yeah, I reckon all three of you guys would dig it a lot. It's yeah. hysterically funny, and but it's also really edge of your seat. And the performances are fantastic. Like you spoke about Anna Taylor Joy in The Northman. She is fantastic in this film, but even better is Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is like top of his game in this film. He it is-, is unbelievable. Yeah. You've seen Grand Budapest, yeah? Yes, yeah. Yeah, like that's the perf- I think that's the performance of a lifetime. Like that sh- wasn't even nominated for an Oscar as far as I remember. He should have won the damn thing. He's incredible in that. I imagine he's awesome in this. Yeah, I, I can't believe how much I enjoyed this film. Like I went in, I didn't realize it was going to be as much of a comedy as it is. I thought it was going to be more horror thriller. But it's like I spoke about with everything everywhere all at once, the juxtaposition of all of these genres works so well. Like it is scary when it wants to be. It's funny when it wants to be like, it's a really small cast of characters. I, I suspect it was probably like a film during COVID type film. Cause there's maybe eight to 10 main characters and it's all set in one location. But I mean, it is really, really strong. Really. I reckon you would dig it a lot. I'm looking forward to it. Is it, Nicholas Holt, is he pretty good in it? Yes, he's also fantastic in it. Yeah. And I had no idea until after that it's it's written and directed by some guys who met working on Succession, which I think is one of oh. the sharpest written shows of the last five years. It's That's another one that blends the kind of drama and comedy really well. And it makes complete sense to me that they together went into this because it's just so sharp. It's yeah. really strong. Is yeah. this their film debut? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and like all the like if if you're into like if you like food as well that just makes it even funnier and there's it's so beautifully filmed like all of these shots of this gorgeous looking food and <laughs> oh man it's really is good Is it does the humor come out of like awkwardness for the situation like the tense aspect of it No it doesn't which is what surprised me I I went into this film I knew nothing about it. I hadn't seen a trailer. I thought it was going to be like a modern take on the most dangerous game. 
Okay. Um, that's just kind of where my head went when I kind of saw the marketing around it. But the humor really comes from the characters, which is my favorite kind of humor. It's in their interactions. It's in the way they talk, the things they do. Like, And that's just what makes it so real, which makes the kind of almost ridiculous situation feel more real as well, which makes you care more about them. Yeah, great. Did yeah. it scare you? No, but I don't. I don't scare that easily. I don't. I don't think it would scare you either, though. I think you'd be all right with it. Uh, yeah, I want to do it for Scaredy Boys now. I think yeah, that's great. You guys definitely. You gotta, you'll should. have to come on and do it with us. I think, mate. Any time, any time. Yeah. I was so thrilled to hear you guys finally get to Midsummer and, and enjoy it. <laughs> uh, it is a good film. Yeah, it is a good film. It is. Don't don't do is. Hereditary though. I'll give you the heads oh. up. That Hereditary is actually quite scary <laughs> that's what i've heard so like midsummer had just been this running joke on the show forever where it's like well that's where we draw the line even though i think yeah. we all knew in our minds it wasn't really going to be a, like a, a super scary film but i do yeah. think hereditary would i think hereditary would ruin my life personally it, it would yeah but I, I reckon you'd like the menu you guys should do it for sure oh, for i'm sure. very keen to hear your thoughts yeah, well, all right well i guess hit us up with the surprise that is your number one <laughs> be very funny if it was just like <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i so nearly a weird al yankovic movie or something <laughs> which i've actually heard is really good <laughs> i really enjoyed it yeah. yeah it's it wouldn't quite squeeze into like an honorable mentions for me but it's a really strong movie if you if you like weird al as well it's just a psycho funny very <laughs> yeah. funny movie do you like hot rod it feels to me very yes. much like in the hot rod okay. sort of role yeah, yeah it's yeah. great check it out uh no, my um my very very clear number one of the year is Top yep. Gun Maverick. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of TC. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Christopher McQuarrie. Um, I recommend to anyone actually just to like go on their whatever their podcast app is and type Christopher McQuarrie's name in and just listen to any interviews that he's done in recent times about you know writing and directing and filmmaking. He is so fascinating. He has such had such a weird journey and he's just got such a great grasp on on structure and how to how to tell a story i think he's incredible so yeah he he did work on the screenplay we talked about previously yeah um it's just an amazing film like i watched it opening night i went to the imax half a week later and watched it again i've watched it at home since i'm desperate probably to watch it again before the end (laughs) of the year um it's very quickly moved into like my all-time favorite films. Yeah, right. I love it. I think the structure's perfect. I think, like you said earlier, Billy, like the the opening ten minutes gives you everything you need to know about Pete Mitchell. It gives yep. you everything about his world, about where he is in in you know his career. Um, the people around him rely on him. He's still that same risk taker who needs to change and. The, yeah. the, the emotional aspects it brings in with Rooster and with yeah. Jennifer Connolly's character. I even just like with Jennifer Connolly, she's not a character that we've you know previously seen. Yeah. But she's yeah. not a new introduction either. It, it, the way they bring her in is just kind of like they've had a past. Yeah. And her daughter knows him and he knows the dog's name and, and all of that. So you kind of skip the baggage of that and you get these beautiful moments. And I think I really love grand scale filmmaking that's still takes time and the craft of not saying anything yeah so this is, there's the scene where maverick learns that he's got to now do the mission because yeah, he's the only yeah. one who can probably successfully do it um it's probably a suicide mission he puts on the uniform he goes to the bar he and penny don't say anything to each other 
Yeah. And then it's just like this beautiful shot of them sort of embracing each other outside as the oceans, the waves are rolling in, and there's a party going on behind them. And then it rolls. It's just, I don't know, the character moments. You know, like, yeah. you know, Maverick's yeah. like chief right hand guy, Hondo. Yes. Yep. Who, you know, at the start is kind of like, I don't like that look, Mav. And he's like, it's the only one I've got. And then you get that repeated line, but the way that Cruz delivers it is completely different. It's yep. delivered in a way of like, I'm probably going to die and this is the last time we're going to see each other. Yeah. So he thanks yep. him and Hondo tears up. That's beautiful. You got John Ham just rolling in and playing oh, this character. And at the end, like, so feel such good. satisfaction when he just sort of almost begrudgingly just nods at Maverick for like <laughs> yeah. saving the day, you know? Yeah. And then the guy next to him, who's like the guy from the the original film, he just does the big fist pump and it's one of those films. And, you know, they, they recapture, uh, they recapture that moment of the successful landing. They come back down and they have the photo and he's got the photo of Rooster. Yeah. It nails everything. It nails big screen spectacle. It nails crucially just the heart. And like yeah. Tom Cruise movies don't always have that. Yeah, but I think yep. he's grown over time, and Macquarie knows what he's doing. And Joseph Kaczynski, I don't know if you've seen his other stuff. He's he's probably most well known for Tron Legacy. Yeah, I, I actually the, really liked Tron Legacy. Yeah, it's a good film. Like, yeah. if anything, it looks spectacular. It's something yeah. bold and different. He did a film called Only the Brave that yeah, Miles right. Teller is in, and it's based on a true story about these these firefighters in America. Um, that that is. Uh, an unbelievably good film. So when I watched yeah. that before Maverick, I was like, this guy, he gets heart. Like he gets story and character. Yeah. And you can see all that in Maverick. It's 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 unbelievable. I love, yeah. like we talked about before, I love the structure. I love that you know the mission inside out. You know every beat of it. And like some movies, if you did do that, you'd be bored of it. But you're yeah. obviously not yeah. with this because mission conditions keep changing. <laughs> yeah. Just there's something incredible about seeing Tom Cruise actually copping that G-Force in the, yes, in the cockpit when he's flying. That scene is amazing. Hans Zimmer does incredible work on the score. Yeah. They, they, they utilize elements of it. Oh, and I haven't even talked about Val Kilmer. Like, yes, that, yeah. That's a fucking killer. That's such a beautiful way to use him. Yeah. And for people who don't know, that's basically sort of how he talks now. He's, yeah, he's had some yeah. real problems with his throat. and I don't know if it was cancer. I'm not sure what he it, had. But I believe it was, yeah. 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 And the way they, they utilize that, I actually just love that the film itself, they're talking about Pete, Maverick Mitchell, and about how he's a relic of the past, and maybe he's yeah. got to change and learn to let go. And it's just a metaphor for cinema. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy that they filmed it before COVID. They wanted it to come out. They didn't know COVID was going to happen. They delayed it. Paramount came at him and said, "Let's release it on streaming." And he said, "Fuck no, we're yeah. going to hold off." He stood firm. Thank God they yeah. did. It's clearly the biggest film of the year. It's made an oh, absurd amount of easily. Money. Yeah, it is the ultimate cinema experience film. Yeah, it's. It's just, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, it's no Tom surprise. Cruise, he is the last action hero. He really yeah, is. Like, yeah. I know it sounds a bit silly. It's just fact. They don't yeah. make movie stars anymore. Oh, they Someone really talked don't. about it recently and copped a lot of criticism where he said, maybe it was Tarantino. He said, there aren't really movie stars anymore. There's just characters. So, you've got Captain America. People are excited yeah. for Captain America, not Chris Evans. Not that he's not a great actor and all that. But he's, yeah, there's just different That's absolutely now. But Tom true. Cruise is still yeah. out there striving to just make things that are- authentic and realistic and, and fucking crazy. And he's definitely, definitely going to die trying to make a movie one day. I don't know. They released a 10-minute clip the other day of him doing a crazy new stunt on the Mission Impossible film. Yeah, he rides right. a motorbike yeah. over a cliff. And 
he's definitely going to die. So we've just got to enjoy him and move it <laughs> while we can. <laughs> yeah. No surprise to me at all that this made your list. Like I said, I actually tried <laughs> yeah. so hard to keep this off my list because I was like, that'll piss Carney off. I'll, I'll put men at, I'll put men at five or something. But I, I couldn't I couldn't keep it off because all the reasons you just said, it's just it is too good of a film. Like mm. it's just actually fantastic. As is my number one. Again, zero surprises here. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. The second I saw it, I knew this was my top of the year. And I think I even made the call that it was my top of the decade. And so far, I think that st- I just think this is a perfect, perfect film. Whoever thought that the most I'd cry at a movie this year would be two rocks? Like, that's just <laughs> insane filmmaking. <laughs> Did you see the recent clip with Colin Farrell and Jamie Lee Curtis? No. He's talking about every he's talking about the film. And I think he mentioned something about how incredible like the CGI was on those two rocks. Yeah. And she's just like, Oh honey, they're just rocks. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just it's not a visual effect. They're rocks. It's- like these yeah. are just creative filmmakers <laughs> who are like taking an enormous idea and doing these little small crazy things. Yeah. And I mean, beautiful. I'm sure you know the visual effects team on the film was five people. Oh, I did not know that. That is incredible. That's insane. All those visual effects were done by five people, a team of five. What what would be like the rough number of something on like on like a Doctor Strange or something like that? Oh, into the in the thousands. Yeah, Yeah, into the thousands. Incredible. They split like a big big movie like that, like Doctor Strange. They split to usually between five and fifteen VFX houses, and each house would have probably at least one hundred people working on it. Usually more. Um, and, and they would just do certain shots. So sometimes it might be split up, you know, they'll be doing certain effects, but more often than not, it's just different shots. They'll just get like a handful of shots and this is what you work on. And yeah, yeah hun- hundreds and hundreds. So a crew of five, five doing this five movie. Five is crazy. The editing pace of this film, some of those shots are so quick. Like there are a lot of VFX shots in this film. It's mm. It's crazy to think about. <laughs> Just but I mentioned I mentioned Mad Max before and how everything kind of stays central in the front. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same with this film, but the subconscious vibe I get from watching it is I was never really lost in terms of no, yeah. screen position. Yeah. So I just, these guys, like, I, I mean, I guess if you have five guys on VFX, the previs stuff and the planning must be enormous. Yeah. You'd think so. Yeah. Like you would have heard the other day, because you're a, you're a VFX man. Did you hear that James Cameron's got a nine hour cut of Avatar 3 and he wants yes. all the visual effects done? <laughs> that I, can't that be is, true, right? That's, that is that crazy. That can't be true. That's ridiculous. That is so silly <laughs> to work on all those shots that aren't going to make it. I mean, I mean, good for James Cameron, but make it a mini series at that point. Like, oh, you know, yeah. he came out with his diatribe, obviously, before this came out, going, I don't want anyone complaining about the length. Just get up and go to the toilet if you need the toilet there's a big difference between three hours and nine hours though yeah and and like i know that he'll cobble that down to three hours or whatever it is but whenever i hear about these enormous assembly cuts i'm like you've got to get your screenplay right before you go into this then because that's just there's no way you could write like a nine hour screenplay would be like nearly a thousand pages. Oh. Why would a screenplay ever be that long? Like you just yeah. need to have a bit more control in what you're fucking doing. It's yeah. crazy. Un- unless you're like Sorkin, who apparently when he turned in his social network script, it was like uh, something like 350 pages or something. And they were like, you can't film this. And he was like, oh no, trust me. 
they talk really fast. <laughs> yeah, that is the thing with him. Because I think dialogue does sort of change the shape of the length of yeah. a page, if, if you will. And yeah, his characters talk so fucking quickly. Yeah. 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 But I imagine like James Cameron dialogue and Aaron Sorkin dialogue oh. is poles apart. <laughs> it's very, very different <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. That's our top five of the year. I've got some good movies to watch off of your, off of your list. I'm looking forward to the menu. Yeah, I think yeah. you should be. Yeah. All right. Well, as is tradition here at We Watch The Thing, when we do our top of the year, we also go back 10 years because I can't remember who it was, but Topher told me that someone once said that that really is the only way to judge a movie is to to look back on it 10 years later. And the top of the year lists are kind of silly. You should be doing it a decade later and that's how you really know what's stuck with you. And I actually think that's a pretty cool idea. And every year at the start of the year, I go, okay, I need to watch a bunch of 10-year-old movies this year because there's so many I haven't seen and I never actually do it. (laughs) And so, don't at me because my list is missing a lot of big names because I haven't seen them. (laughs) How did you go about making your 2012 list? Was it difficult for you? It was. I sort of... I went through various Google searches, finding out all the different films that came out that year, really going through it. I... I don't want to be critical of that year, but I look at it and I go, I, I did have a hard time sort of, yeah. I, I wouldn't say I had a very strong top 10. No, and I'm the even, same actually. Yeah. Even the top five, like the film I picked at five, I didn't have because I don't know if it's a top five worthy movie, but like I looked at the other ones and I went, I just don't think I have strong feelings yeah. about what to say about that. So I kind of have to pick this one, but there were like some obvious things like, if you go 2012 movies, I think Skyfall probably pops up first. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Are you yeah. not a James Bond guy? I'm not a Bond guy. Uh, yeah, fair you enough. Know, I, I grew up with, with Brosnan, so I've seen like, GoldenEye and World yeah, is Not Enough. See, to me, to me, that's Bond. I was working in the cinema when Casino Royale came out, and I never actually saw it, but you know, I walked in the cinema a couple of times. I was like, you know what? This isn't my Bond. This isn't for me anymore. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely changed the tone of it. Yeah. Um, I do think Casino Royale is a great movie, but Skyfall is the one where everyone was like, give it Oscars, give it this. It's the fucking best Bond movie. (laughs) And I watched it and was like, it's fine. And I've rewatched it a couple of times since because I'm like, I really feel like I'm missing because a lot of people are like, that's a fucking five-star movie. And I'm like, I think it's like a three and a half for me. I don't know. A lot of Bond films I watch and I go, you're too long. Yeah, like, yeah. I really want a tight 90 Bond. Give me yeah. a Bond, just a, a thriller with no fat on it. Yeah. They never will. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Skyfall's not on my top five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it then. You you kicked us off with the uh, 2022, so I'll kick us off here. Um, I had the same thing, though. My list was not like, I don't feel like it's a strong list. So, let's see how mm. we go. Uh, my number five is The Cabin in the Woods, which I'm assuming you've oh. seen. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's for me it's one of those ones where I, when I first saw it I it blew my fucking head off. Yeah. And and probably cuz I back then I didn't have the Skitty Boys podcast and I I <laughs> yeah. barely touched horror. So I was probably like, "Whoa, this is fucking good." It's yeah. one though that I've I've rewatched it a couple years ago and it like I don't know why it just didn't hold up for me. Yeah, yeah. Have I reckon you rewatched it'd be, it in recent times. I was just going to say I reckon it would be interesting for you to rewatch it now post Skitty Boys. Because I reckon you'd pick up on a lot more of the kind of horror tropes that it's playing oh, with sure. and like the kind of all of the little motifs and everything it throws, throws in there. Because as a horror fan, I find this film really fun because it's not it's not really a horror at all. It's, I mean, it is not even, 
I don't not even as much as say Scream is. Like Scream, I would say is satire first, horror second. Yeah. Th- this is even deeper levels of comedy and satire. I think before you hit the horror elements. But I just think it's a good, fun movie. It has been a little while since I've rewatched it, so I don't know if it will hold up as much as my estimation thinks. But yeah, I th- I think this is this is a decent number five for 2012. <laughs> you know how sometimes you you'll rewatch something with your partner and they'll just be completely unimpressed by it, and perhaps yes. that sort of vibe rubs off as well. I think yeah. maybe that's what happened with me too. I yeah, watched it. Right. And she was just completely like, "This sucks." Like, yeah. I think I think at the time I was like. We can watch a horror. And she went, you never want to watch horror. All right, let's fucking go. And then she's like, oh, that's not scary. It sucks. And I was like, yeah. oh, maybe maybe it does suck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I just think it's a good fun time. So, But like I said, I don't think my list is strong. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's a, it's, I was looking at other films because I was like, oh, around 2012. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, that came out the year before. Uh, yeah. There's lots of like in and around, but maybe this is yep. the strongest year. Yeah. Because my number five is The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. I didn't even consider putting this one on the list. <laughs> so I, I originally in the top five, I had like- I had stuff like I had Paranorman in the mix. I yep. had Safety Not Guaranteed. Uh, I love really that good movie. One. That was nearly on um, my list. Yeah, I had another one which now escapes me. Oh, Zero Dark Thirty is okay, another great yeah. film. I think, but then I I just thought I don't feel passionate about them. Not that I'm super passionate about The Dark Knight Rises, but I rewatched it this year, and I've always thought of it as a little bit of a piece of shit. Yeah. And I didn't love it when it came out. And then I read the screenplay and I went, oh man, there's there's problems here. Like I felt like Nolan reached a point where no one was like telling him, oh, you can't do this. And I mean, we've seen that with Tenet. <laughs> oh yeah, Tenet killed me. Um, yeah. Sadly, because I love Nolan, but I, I'll happily yeah. say Tenet does nothing for me. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. Dark Knight Rises, I rewatched it and I ended up giving it four stars. Yeah, and I right. came away from it going, I fucking... I hate Gordon Levitt's guy in it. I kind of hate Selena Kyle in it. I hate. Yep. I don't really like Bane. I hate this. I hate that. I hate uh, Marion Collatard's character. I think is terrible. Yeah. And yet, there's something magical about it. It's. It still is a very above average comic book movie. I think yeah. it just suffers oh, yeah. heavily in comparison to the film that came before it, which is a absolutely an all timer. But I watch it and I go, you know what? This is like, it's a big scale movie. It's just I don't, something about it. It's just a nice comic book movie to watch. And now well, I think I th- when I, I think rewatch Nolan it, I'll, I'll, I- I'll look past the faults. I'll just enjoy the the fact that he's just throwing a bunch of ridiculous shit on the screen. Dark yeah. Knight feels very like crime procedural yes. wrapped in a superhero. Whereas this is very much back to that a- elements of silliness of Batman Begins, which I also really love. But yeah, I think comic book silliness really on, a, yeah. on a big scale. Like Bane sucks. It's it's yeah, a dumb Bane voice. Is, yes. Um, the fact that when Batman comes back and fights him again, no aspect of his fighting style has changed. He just seems to like get lucky. And it, yeah. it's still so weird to see Batman fighting in broad daylight. Like, yeah. Yeah. Parts of it are ridiculous beyond belief. <laughs> but like when Michael Caine cries and when it just absolutely goes for it in the third act, it's just ridiculous shit. I don't know, yeah. something about it's just magic. And so when I looked back at the list of films, I was like, at least when I watch that, I feel something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my number four, looking at my list now, I didn't even realize this when I wrote it, but I have two animes on oh, great. the list. 
Um, so the first one, uh, I actually caught at the Japanese Film Festival back in 2012. And it's Berserk, The Golden Age Arc 1, The Egg of the King, which is a very long title. Have you seen of or heard of this film? <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's so this entire series, the Golden Age arc, is it's almost like anime Lord of the Rings, and oh. the animation is fucking stunning. It's this trilogy of three films. They, I believe, they all came out in 2012, or maybe just the first two, and then the third one the year later. But it is, it's like gory and brutal. It's really kind of high fantasy, and it is just so much fun. And I think. Often anime tends to have this kind of level of poignancy to it that you sometimes miss in like American cinema and blockbusters. And to me, this film really, really has that. And like, I was so grateful I saw this on the big screen because the animation is stunning. Does it have heart? That's what I want to know. It's, it's got tons of heart. It's got Sorry. hearts on swords. It's got hearts on skewers. And it's called Berserk? It's got, and it's got hearts in your heart. Dude, uh, yeah, Berserk, Berserk, the Golden Age Arc 1, the Egg of the King. <laughs> I reckon, um, I reckon um, yeah. you dig it. Like, the high fantasy stuff is great. There's some really I've good kind of- I've written it down. Of, it's happening. Oh, good. <laughs> There's some really good kind of, like, buddy stuff going on, and that's where oh, a lot great. of the heart comes from. I reckon I reckon you dig this, and I'd highly recommend it to anyone who has any kind of, you know, kind of love for anime or for high fantasy. I reckon this is a winner. Yeah, fantastic. All Fuck right, yeah. you're number four. I've gone with Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, is it a Wes Anderson film? Yeah, it's one of the few Wes Andersons I haven't yet seen. Oh, okay. It it's a good one. It's the he certainly made other ones that I prefer to this. Yeah. Um, again, 2012, not the strongest year for me, <laughs> yeah. um, but I really like it. It's got a lot of charm. I think it's the first time he worked with Edward Norton, who um, plays a fantastic character, plays a a, 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 sc- a scout leader who's, yeah. you know, one of his boys has gone missing and there's all sorts of, it's it's Wes Anderson craziness. It's, it's that typical artistic style. Tilda Swinton's yeah. in it and she's a child services person and her character's name is just child services. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's got little... Little whimsy, little whimsical things like that that you would expect, and yeah. two great performances from the young kids because the the basic premise of it is there's these two weirdo kids who are f- kind of forming a romantic connection and they decide to run away together, and then yeah. various people in their lives, their parents, their scout leaders, child services, all sort of come together to try and find them. Yeah, um, right. and there's an impending storm on the way, and it's it's got it's got every little every little Wes Anderson quirk that you've come to expect. It's just yeah. It's nice. It's not one of his most groundbreaking movies, but it's just a really sort of wholesome and a nice movie that has a really great ending that I really love that sort of elevates it for me. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, nice. I will have to check that one out finally. What's In fact, your favourite Wes? Oh. I think Grand Budapest is his best, I think. I just think everything about it is perfect, but my favourite has always been The Life Aquatic. Yes, I didn't love The Life Aquatic as much as some no of No one does. <laughs> I hadn't seen that until recent. Well, Julio from The Contrarians, he loves it because he made me oh, watch great. it for a throwback on the show. Yeah. And I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as some other Wes. Um, Weirdly, my first Wes that I watched was The Royal Tenenbaums, which yes, I, I kind of didn't I really, like. Oh, I, right. See, I love yeah, that. Yeah, so I, I watched yeah. it and was like, oh, okay. And then not long after, I watched The Life Aquatic. So yeah. Royal Tenenbaums, everything I'd read was like, that was at the time his best. Life yeah. Aquatic was one that people didn't enjoy. And I went the opposite. I watched Life Aquatic and for some reason it like- 
it's one of those movies that for years it just clung to me. Like I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I only recently rewatched Royal Tenenbaums and I'm like, that's a five star movie. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. Movie. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, oh I I yeah, I love that film. Yeah. Wes Anderson is a fantastic director. A colleague of mine, a designer, used to have this Wes Anderson art book. It was, I think I it was think just I've called The, the Art one. of Wes Anderson. And yeah, it's with just, the Wes Anderson just, collection, it's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just all of these kind of still frames from his movies and concept art. So, it's just, I mean, fuck, he's a, he's a really beautiful visual director. But, like, without Absolutely. being over the top or anything, it's just really meticulously crafted and it's all pleasing. Sort of in, I'd call it pleasing. <laughs> yeah, that you're right. It's it's it, it's just sort of like feel-good stuff. But n- not all his films are feel-good. They have, like, quite rough elements to them. But Yeah. He just- Everything feels in-world. He creates yes. the world of the film, and then you watch it, and you're like, nothing feels out of place. Even though I've never seen that color and that color together. Like, what the fuck's he doing? <laughs> yeah. There's even, like, a book that uh, my partner bought me that's, like, accidentally Wes Anderson, and it's just a photographer oh, yeah, right. went all over the world, and just, like, any any place that's in the world symmetrical. Where it's like, oh, it looks like it's out of a Wes Anderson film and took a photo. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, like, symmetrical with lots of bright colors. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, my number three is, I don't think going to be a surprise to anyone. I've long touted how much I love this film. Um, it is highly, highly underrated. <laughs> it's one of Disney's best. It's John Carter. <laughs> Did you, I, I know that you have seen this film, and I think you spoke about rewatching it. Have you seen it recently? So, we did talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I was determined to do a rewatch. <laughs> And I I did begin a rewatch, and oh, then no. as happens, no, it's not a <laughs> super negative. As sometimes happens in life, um, you get tired and you want to respect cinema, so you press pause and you go, "I'll come back to you later." And then I just yep. haven't come back to it, yeah, um, which is my fair. fault. <laughs> I remember watching it and thinking, I think the same thing that a lot of people thought, where I went, oh, "Okay, so it's kind of like Star Wars, or it's kind of like this, or it's kind of like that." Which, of course, anyone who knows the History of John Carter would be like, fuck yeah. you, man. That's yeah. all based on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw this movie completely by accident. I got given free tickets because a commercial I'd worked on was showing before the movie. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. And I loved it. I dragged mm. everyone I knew to see it. Um, and yeah, because I do, I love the book A Princess of Mars. Um, and I think they did a real disservice by just naming this John Carter. It's such a boring title. I think nobody even knew what it was. It's Has one it of those changed famous over time? kind of. I don't. Was think it originally so. when it came out? Was it John Carter of Mars? No, no, it wasn't. No, it was definitely just John Carter. Yeah, I real sworn it was, and then it bombed, and then for some reason they rebranded it even simpler. So I, John Carter. I think it was. I think that the legend goes that originally the working title was John Carter of Mars, okay. and then they decided that the word Mars was no good because they just had Mars needs mums that had bombed, and there was oh. another movie, Ghosts of Mars. Maybe there were a couple of Mars. Oh movies yeah, I think it's a, a Johnny row. Carpenter film. Yeah. yeah, there were a couple of Mars moved in movies in a row that bombed, and they were like, "Oh, we can't use the word Mars." And it's like, but I "Come think, on, I think you've for really this kind missed of film, a trick." You need that in the title. Well, you don't need you it. It would have been well, great to have it in the, the title. Yeah, yeah, because if you're like just if <laughs> I'm th- this wouldn't have happened. We're probably long since past that in 2012. But I just remember being a kid, and you'd see the the session times for a movie in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so if yes. I saw John Carter, I'd be like, eh, "What else is out?" Yes. If I saw John yeah. Carter from Mars, I'd be like, fuck yeah, space, let's do <laughs> yeah. it. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Definitely. kind of need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you've I mean, rewatched it recently? 
Oh, I, I've rewatched this movie regularly. This is of oh, my regular great. rotation. Yeah, and I love this movie. I think that the visuals are really strong. I really love the. I mean, I think Taylor Kitsch is really good in it. I never watched Friday Night Lights, but I. I he is he's, exceptional in that. And yeah, obviously my wife the knock is on a big him fan. is that. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of wives are. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the knock on him is that. He plays Tim Riggins in that show. I think that's his iconic character and nothing yeah. else ever really lived up to that. I feel so terribly bad for him when it comes to John Carter because 2012, the year we are covering now, that was the year of Taylor. He had yeah. John Carter. He was going to be in the Oliver Stone film, The Savages, which was going to yep. be a big deal. And he also had the the Pete Berg one called Battleship. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, the yes. Big, yes. I think produced by Michael Bay or whatever. Battleship was kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, Savages yeah. was a big time piece of shit, <laughs> yeah. and John Carter bombed. So like, yeah. it's 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 like real sliding doors. Yeah, if all yeah. three of them had been hits, he would have been set up and would have been like a movie star for for years. You know? Yeah, I just think it's Poor such guy. a shame that this one bombed the way it did because I just think a lot of people didn't see it. I don't like. I think the people who have seen it generally think that it's at least okay. I don't think that anyone who actually saw it thinks it's a bad movie, but it just. Just so underseen, yeah. Yeah, the um the 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 portion of it that I rewatched recently before I got a bit tired, I will say <laughs> it was good. Like it, I'm, I wasn't, I didn't watch it and go shit film that deserves to bomb. I watched it. Yeah, I I really enjoy the world building that they're doing here, and it's the yeah. kind of film that yeah, you just wish it was successful. Then you would have got like a series of these well, things. For yes, it to expand because of course it's a series of seven books. Yeah, so yeah. you can only imagine where it was, but yeah. Sadly, never. <laughs> Shame. All right. So, we up to your number two? I think we're up to the, uh, number three. Number three. This was, I will just clarify, another questionable one. It did get an awards qualifying release, but then its wide release was 2012. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to squeeze it in because it's a film that no one's ever seen and I really love it and I'd love to tell people about it so they go and seek it out. It's called The Flowers of War. I have not heard of this movie. And it's starring Christian Bale. Right, okay. Um, and it is it is set in China. It's a Chinese film that Christian yep. Bale is the lead of. And it's set during the 30s. And it is about a, uh, a, a very terrible historical event known as the Rape of Nanking, right. which is where Japan invaded China and... Um, essentially raped that region, uh, did yeah. horrible atrocities. And Christian Bale plays a guy there who's just like a bit of a uh, – so he's not a soldier, but like he's got that soldier of fortune sort of vibe. He's over there just trying to like do little odds and ends and profit and like he just sort of gets caught up in this war between Japan and China. Yeah. And in escaping some soldiers, he finds his way to a monastery – where in order to stay safe, he pretends, he puts on the, the, the cloak of the priest and pretends to be the priest. Yeah. And there is um, schoolgirls who are there who are in danger. And there's also some some women who are um, essentially, I think in the film, they're sex workers is sort of yeah. the background. And they're all congregated there. And Christian Bale desperately doesn't want to be there. He's not someone who has a lot of honor, but he finds himself over the course of the film having to protect these girls and get to know these women and try and keep everybody safe as Japan close in and try and wipe everybody out, essentially. And yeah. it's a fucking staggeringly beautiful film. And it's horrendous. It's actually... Whenever I rewatch it, I go, 
part of me goes, damn, why am I rewatching this? This is so fucking hard to watch because yeah. some of the atrocities on screen are, are fucking terrible. But it's worth it for just the visual beauty of the film, the really powerful story, and and frankly, just a, another great performance from Christian Bale. What's it and, called? And a lot of the, Sorry, the it's war. called the, the Flowers of War. The Flowers um, of I can't war. recall the director's name, but it's it's a big name, big name Chinese director who did. I want to say that he did Hero and possibly like, um, oh, I can't remember the other film. Um, if I if I find him, I can tell you he's done some fantastic films. But it's a Christian Bale. I realized when I looked up this film. Just had such an incredible run of like, even if the films he was in weren't yeah. like the best, he they was always really incredible. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, I don't know. If you like Christian Bale, you'll really, I think, get a lot out of the film. Yeah, cool. It's on my it's, list. It's it's Zhang, Zhang Yimao is the director. And he did Hero and he did House of Flying Daggers. So oh, that's, right. Yeah. That's the kind of visual style you're in for. He's a real visual, fantastic storyteller. Yeah, and, cool. Emotionally powerful. It's got a little bit of everything. It's just a fantastic film that I find just sort of lingers with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. nice. My number two is another anime, and this is one that I only saw, God, probably about a year or two ago. It's called Wolf Children. Have you seen or heard of this one? I have heard of it, yes. Yeah, this, this is one it was a, a is lot- it a Is it a short, short-ish runtime? I think it comes up uh, in a it run would, sort of like in the movie yeah, for a, it a would tight definitely 90 be sort of 90 or under, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I know is your bag. <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this one affected me so much because I watched it after having kids because this is a film that's really all about, I guess, motherhood in particular, but really parenthood as a whole. And it's just really, really touching. I cried my eyes out nearly the whole movie. And it's just so beautiful. Like so much anime, it's all, it's hand painted watercolor backgrounds and it's just stunning to look at and really, really moving and touching. And Five I, stars I, from you. Yes. Five stars. There you go. <laughs> You're a, on my letterbox. <laughs> I'm just checking it out. Yeah. It's a Does tight it have two hours. <laughs> they, oh, okay. So that's yeah. slightly longer than I thought it was. Yeah. But yeah, really, really strong movie, um, especially if you're a parent. I think it will just really tug at the heartstrings. Yeah, that's an instant add to my watch list. Yeah. I've I've heard yeah, I've heard it come up from time to time. Yeah. All right, your number 2. Number 2, I went with a film called The Impossible. Oh, yes, I liked this yeah. movie a lot. This was on my honorable mentions. Yeah. So this is the tsunami film, which I've I've only ever watched once and it would yeah. have been a very long time ago now. Well, but, yeah, um, same. I believe it would have been in 2012. I watched it. It's Naomi Watts, yeah? Naomi Watts and Ewan yeah. McGregor. And yes. Actually, young, a young Tom Holland is in it as well. Plays oh, my God. He is too. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So, this is based on true story about the uh, Boxing Day tsunami. I think it happened in 2004. Yeah. Um, the day after Christmas, it just was destructive and deadly. And it's about a family- uh, who experience that and get separated. Parts of the family are together and the other half of them are away and they desperately don't know, they don't have any information or they don't know if anyone's safe. And it's it's such an emotionally absorbing film where I, I, I connect emotionally with a lot of movies. That's one thing I love about movies. Yeah. I often, I don't cry that much. I, like it, it actually takes a lot to, to make me cry in a film. Which yeah. I kind of wish I cried more because I want to. I watch a movie and I'm like, oh, it's so fucking good. This <laughs> yeah. this movie is one of the one of the few that I can recall where I just started crying while watching it. Yeah. And yeah. And a couple of times in the movie. But it was like you have the initial you, you, you know you have disaster movies that are that are really well done 
will make you connect with the family early. Yep. I'm loving the vibe of the family. They're doing this traditional ceremony where they're lighting lanterns and they're floating off in the sky and they've all got their arms around each other. And that's when you get that pang in your heart where you're like, this is going to hurt a lot. <laughs> yes. And then 10 minutes later, it all the shit hits the fan. The tsunami cracks in and you have this like really long extended chaotic period of just like water crushing people and everyone yeah. separated. Yep. And, and then when the initial wave sort of stops and you finally can breathe, I yeah. like- I still remember this like years later. I just burst into tears. I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. I, I was so overwhelmed by what was happening on screen. And then I, I cried again later. There's a point maybe halfway through the film where I think Ewan McGregor meets a group of survivors. And at this point, I think he's got one of his kids with him, but the rest, he doesn't know if they're alive because there's no information. And one of the survivors has like a satellite phone and offers it to him and lets him call his his family back home or his wife's parents or something. And he's trying to explain to them that he doesn't know where she is. And he's he's shaking and he's breaking down and then he cries and then I fucking cry. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's such powerful acting. It's yeah. just- a film that makes you invest in a family and then just throws fucking destruction at them. And they're, yeah. they're the most powerful. So that one, I've only ever watched it once. I don't yeah. really want to rewatch it again because it fucking killed me. Yeah, I've only and watched it-, it the once as well. From memory, because that was not long after we moved into this house and it was one of the first movies I watched in the home theater. And I remember those scenes of that tsunami coming in. That was breath. Like you're right, just full crushing. Like the speed of yeah. that water and everything. It's really well made. It was just like overwhelming filmmaking. Where yeah. Like sometimes you can create that barrier of separation where you're just like you're enjoying the spectacle of something. But I think yeah. because of the, also too, I think this was particularly big in the news in Australia. Yes. Just because yeah. of our links with Indonesia, I guess. And yeah. And yeah, just I don't know, just brought back memories of seeing all that and like just uh, families. Yeah. Copying it is like my emotional sweet spot in cinema. That's how you can hurt yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go with my number one, which may surprise some people, may not, because it's almost a bit of a predictable choice. Um, it's the Oscar winner that year, Argo. Ah, okay. Yes. I'm yes. a big, big Ben Affleck fan, as, right. as people know. I think he's an extraordinary director as well. I do think this oh. is the weakest of his films. Well, actually- I haven't seen what was you're, the you're, one that think, everybody yeah, disliked. <laughs> you're, you're forgetting the, the the one he did after this, which yes, was some sort of crime. Yes. crime but I, I think, think yeah. bo- both The Town and Gone Baby Gone, I think, is an exceptional that is film. exceptional. And The Town is underrated, I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then so is Argo, weirdly. <laughs> well, it's, it is one of those weird things where, like, the Oscar winning- Like, the Oscars are kind of seen so much as being a bit of a sham at this point that I feel like generally whatever wins Best Picture actually kind of goes down in people's reputation afterwards. Yeah, it does. There's a stigma to it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's and a bit takes, of a shame. It sometimes it's... takes a long time. Yeah. Titanic is one that stands out to me. I think that winning and everyone just being like, because James Cameron did his whole, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was like, you fucking loser. Fuck Titanic. <laughs> and for years, if you liked Titanic, it was like, you like Titanic? Yeah. And really, it shouldn't be a surprising thing. It was the most successful film of all time. Oh, like, yes. I love Titanic. I'm happy yes. to say that. I think it's yeah. a five-star masterpiece. It's incredible blockbuster filmmaking and i love it but yeah there is that stigma and argo i watched when it came out and i was kind of like i think i really enjoyed it but in the in the heart department i don't think it quite gets to where it should yeah but i rewatched it recently and i was like i'm just actually in awe of the i think i rewatched it deliberately with like okay at one best picture 
yep. he wasn't nominated for best director. Yes. I watched it through the lens of how is his direction? Incredible. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think he's an outstanding director, and I think he's one of those people that sadly people underestimate as a director. It doesn't matter how good his films are. People will always see him as an actor first and as a pretty boy and as the guy who dated J-Lo. And so it's and so he's now easy. married to her. <laughs> yes. And so it's so easy for people to just kind of dismiss that side of him. But I mean, fuck, I think he is such- And that that has to be one of the strongest debut runs of Gone Baby Gone. Oh, for sure. The town and then this. It's it's insane. But I love the, the cast in this, like- um, Brian Cranston, Alan Arkin is so yeah. good in this movie. John Goodman. John Goodman's good in everything. I love Goodman, and this is no exception. I just think this is a really, really, really good movie. And yeah. old, I think- um, Ah, know. go fuck yourself. <laughs> yes, classic. Yeah. It's just got- And I even- I just love like- I, I don't see enough movies about this, but I just love that little element of it where it's kind of like everything he does- So, his character's Tony Mendes. Everything he yeah. does- for a long time, just wasn't going to be known. Like he, would, and I think there's that running thing in the movie where it's like, if you die, you're just going to be a star on the wall. Yeah, that sort of thing has that undercurrent yeah. of danger. And there's that scene, you know, towards the end where they they get on the plane, and the stress of that is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's great direction. Like, oh, that's so good. Uh, and the writing, the performance, everything about it is just great. Yeah, it, it is funny because it won Best Picture, and yet. I think it's underrated. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, which I think yeah. often happens. But yeah, so there we go. That's my number one. What about yours? I will probably be alone on this hill, <laughs> but I've I've gone with Cloud Atlas. Wow, you have are you seen alone it? on that hill. I've not <laughs> seen it, but I have heard nothing um, but bad things. <laughs> that is interesting. I can see why it would be very polarizing. It's a real mishmash sort of movie. Yeah, but for it's me, based on a novel, it, right? It is based on a novel by I think David Mitchell is the writer. Who's yeah? It's it's if people don't know, it's a it's a multiple timeline film. It's spread out in the the past, the present, the far future, and you have actors reprising not reprising, sorry, actors playing different characters throughout different time periods. Yeah, and there is like a common a theme of reincarnation if you want to buy into that, but also they can just be completely different guys. Yep. So you've got like Tom Hanks as a good guy in the far future, but as a fucking despicable bastard in the past. And yeah, right. Hugo Weaving, very interestingly, just plays a bad guy in every section of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he's great. Um, the performances are great. What I love about it is it, it is a three-hour film, so it's probably not going to go to the top of your watch list Yeah. Um, for, based on that. But it is, it's the kind of three-hour film, I don't feel the runtime of it. Yeah. Because it has- yeah. Because it's going through, I, th- I want to say like six different story times. Yeah, it just the 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 narrative momentum of it just just propels it the whole way through. It doesn't yeah. really let up. It's just got this incredible momentum that I really respect. Performances that I really respect, and it's one of those movies that's sort of like ultimately, I think, even though you see some horrible stuff in it and characters go through the absolute fucking ringer, it's a movie that believes in hope and. Yeah. I think a lot of the time I search for that in a story. If a yeah. movie ultimately is about love and friendship and hope and the good things that we can do, I think that's what Cloud Atlas is. It shows you a bit of everything and it gives you that. And it's got a fantastic music score, cinematography, everything about it. You've, I mean, you've definitely moved it up my list. Like, I'll, I'll try to find the time to squeeze it in because I, I have no problems with the three-hour m- movie other than I have kids and it's really hard to find that time. Yeah. But- 
Yeah. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but it's so the Wachowskis direct it and Tom Twyker directs it as well. And they sort of break up into segments who does yeah, which okay. part. And yeah, it is fun to watch the films like that and be like, oh, I think that's a Wachowski scene. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because parts of it are like, oh, is that a little bit like The Matrix? And oh, yeah. there's a little bit of Run Lola Run in that. And yeah, it's, I, I really love it. If you can sort of handle the three hour completely wild roller coaster that just i think has fantastic momentum and a really stirring sort of undercurrent through it all yeah, it's fantastic nice. i was yeah. definitely putting that on the watch list yeah mm. well thank you so this is i mean it is always just such a blast talking to you this is one of our longest records in a long time and it's i mean it's a big topic but you're just so easy to talk to we do this every time we just chat <laughs> and we just get onto different movies and stuff but thank you so much for joining me can you tell everyone about all the things you do, because there's plenty of them. There's How Good's Footy, there's Scaredy Boys, yes. How Good's Footy, and stuff. Uh, Australian football podcast. Um, we're on hiatus. We'll be back when the footy season starts next year. I'm having a very, very well-earned break. It was a, <laughs> yeah. We had, uh, for people who aren't aware, we had two women's seasons and a men's season all in the same calendar year because the AFL yep. completely fucking cooked. <laughs> um and then Scaredy Boys is my horror movie podcast. If you're a bit of a coward when it comes to horror movies, it's a good one to check out. Uh, we watch the scary movies, so you don't have to. But <laughs> yeah. also, if you want to watch them, it's great. We 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 really dive in, particularly on writing and story, and yeah, definitely, and what scares us and how we would die horribly at the hands of monsters and so forth. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. good fun. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great podcast. You got you. You guys just have such good rapport and you're just so fun to listen to, especially when you get scared. Like this, I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad the year of fear is over, but I really hope that you guys do follow through with the year of horn because. Oh, yeah, it'll be fun. a horny year. <laughs> yeah, I've done some recordings that started horny. <laughs> but that's good. And um, yeah, if anyone wants an entry point into that, we do an episode with Billy and we did the Amityville Horror, which is a yes. very interesting uh, yeah. old movie that's perhaps not particularly scary anymore, but it's definitely a yeah. fucking cooker. It was a yeah. big mistake on my part picking that movie i don't know what i was thinking but thank you so much for joining me this has just been an absolute blast man thank you mate it's a pleasure always look forward to chatting movies with you next week i will be counting down uh, my worst five films of the year which is something i haven't done before but it's an idea that came up with jason from binge movies and we thought it'd be fun to follow through on <laughs> do you do you know what would crack your worst five Oh, fuck. I've watched some terrible things this year. Um, weirdly, the only one that's popping into my head in the moment is Moonfall. Oh, yes. Um, that will make an appearance for sure. <laughs> and I, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I prefer to like talk up movies than trash them, but sometimes you watch stuff and you're just like, how does Roland Emmerich, or whatever his name is, yes. how does he keep getting money to make these movies? I understand yeah. it back in the day when he's making disaster movies, but we have like... We have blockbuster like comic books and Marvel and all this stuff now. We have like benchmark big yeah. entertainment and fucking, yeah. I, don't, I just don't understand it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchthing.com or wewatchthing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthing, and I'll catch you next week.